friends. I'm your host, Dr. Dave Layton, and thank you for joining me in our journey to hope. It is my desire through this podcast to bring you information about how to discover, sustain, or perhaps regain hope. Well, in this episode, I'm joined by William Hill. Now, most of us know him as Dub. So that's what we're going to call him. And we're going to discuss with him a program that uh, he is very, very much involved with called the Social Assistance Homes. And uh, Dub is a part of this and has been for a number of years. Hello, Dub. Hello, Dave. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm honored, my brother. I'm deeply honored. Uh, well, first of all, uh, where did you get that nickname from? I, I've been meaning to ask you that. That that started with my mother. I was I was known in my early years all the way through high school as WC. And she picked up on the W, which that's I guess you'd call that the first syllable in W. <laughs> so, okay. so that's where it came from. It was okay. a signed name. Okay, so it's not it's not double as in there's two of you. It's no, it's just <laughs> dub. <laughs> okay. Well, I've I had the honor of knowing you for so many years now uh, through our um, ministry here at the Prattville Church of Christ, and you've mm-hmm. you've honored us by letting us be a part of that ministry. We help support it, and yes. uh, we're very honored. I was very honored to do so, mm-hmm. and uh, you've been a missionary also with my brother and sister-in-law, Larry and Kay Little. Yes. And, uh, well... We're going to get to talking about the social assistance homes and why I brought you on this podcast, Uh, but I'd like you to tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Uh, My wife, Shirley, and I uh, were married in 1961 here in Tupelo. She was born and raised here. I was born in Memphis and moved to North Mississippi when I was in the first grade, and then finally to Tupelo, and we both graduated from Tupelo High School. And uh, we're married in 61. And from that point on, we kind of moved around every three to five years with national company that I was with. Wound up in uh, Nashville and Mobile and then spent five years in New Orleans and decided that we didn't want to do that anymore. We were going to come home. So we came home to Tupelo. And uh, within the next year or so, we opened up a Christian bookstore. And we operated that here in Tupelo for about 22 years. And during that last 10 or 12 years of, of that work <clears throat> is how I got involved in, in originally Russia, the work in Russia, so primarily the, the preacher training school there. And that's how I met Larry and Kate. I would go to Sictive Car on, on a, the business side of the school and uh, a couple of times uh, stayed with them. And finally, in uh, December of 1999, uh, Shirley and I went in December and uh, stayed with them in their apartment. And that's when we found the, the basis for starting the social assistance homes. So we've, we've been involved in for a long time now. And, uh, and uh, you, you and, and uh, Prattville have been part of the work since, I believe, it's just 2009. Uh, so it's, it's been a while, and it's been a good, good association as far as I'm concerned. And I... I pray that it is with you as well. 
Well, it has been, and, and uh, we're going to certainly look forward to continuing uh, that support. And, and we've been able to not only support it uh, financially, but just to be a part of the effort. Yes. Uh, we've enjoyed that. And it, it was personal to me when I um, first heard about the social assistance homes, what you were doing, uh, taking care of, of – I'll let you explain what that does, but right. uh, I, I was raised – <clears throat> Excuse me. I was raised in an orphanage, mm-hmm. and uh, back then it was uh, in in the mid uh, late fifties. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was the old traditional orphanage with the big open r- room, you know, yeah. type yeah. thing, and we didn't have the homes, uh, children's homes as they have now. Right. And so, whenever I see uh, ministries and works that are pointed in that direction of taking care of and mm-hmm. providing for children that that gets my attention real quick uh, that I'm that sure. becomes personal mm-hmm. yes <laughs> so and when I saw know. we had a chance to be a part of that it was like well yeah <laughs> this, great this uh, I'm really thankful good. for that yes yeah. all right well let's let's uh let's talk about the social assistance homes that that mm-hmm. you're so much involved with you and Shirley both yes we it was originally <clears throat> named the Russian Home for Widows and Orphans. And uh, as we went uh, in those early days, it became obvious that, that uh, the government was not going to let us have an orphanage. It was, uh, they didn't even let the Russian Orthodox have one. Oh, okay. So it was all state-run. And uh, so I was, you know, just kind of between a well under a rock. I couldn't, couldn't go anywhere. And I talked to a lady in Memphis who was involved in international adoptions and she said go back and talk to them about foster care and day when when i did and sat down with the, the couple of ladies that oversee that work and i said uh, would you let us participate in foster care she said how many do you want oh, <laughs> so, okay <laughs> so, so we were we were ready to go almost from the get-go we had uh, bought a couple of apartments because the exchange rate for the dollar was just so advantageous and uh, we had expected this work to, to grow as far as uh, housing widows and destitute women and their children. And uh, then when we had this opportunity to, to just kind of blossom with the foster homes, it went very well. And uh, so we, over the years, we wound up buying about 13 apartments. And how we, how we worked that is uh, these two- and three-room apartments we can put a lady in each one, each one of those rooms. They share a bathroom and a kitchen. Um, sometimes they have a child or two, and it gets crowded, so we have to move them around it, you know, to best suit or accommodate them. And but that that just kind of exploded as far as children. I think when the first time I came to uh, to uh, talk to uh, the elders at Prattville, we had uh, like forty nine children at that time. Okay. And, uh, some of those have grown through the process. At, at 18, they can leave. Uh, they leave even the orphanages at, at 16 to 18. Mm-hmm. And we committed to them for the long haul. We told them, if you will stay here, we will support you even through your higher education. Okay, so you, you provide shelter. Yes. For, um, who is your target client? Uh, I'm not sure how well, to say that. Obviously, the, the widow's. Would, were first in line. Uh, as that grew, we realized that there were several <clears throat> younger women who were 
destitute, on the street, uh, abused by <clears throat> husbands, men, and uh, that that became a, oh, I'll say, a desire to help, but I didn't know how. Okay. Uh, that was during that 10 years I was working with the school. I, I saw them, but I didn't know what to do about it. And uh, I'm, I got to tell you this short story about the young lady at the airport in Moscow. I was returning home from a restricted car, and uh, I was waiting on my flight. I was staying in out of the way against the wall. It was just wall-to-wall people, my gigantic uh, airport. <clears throat> they... Uh, all of a sudden, she just appeared in front of me. I would guess maybe 20, 22 years old, had a baby sitting on her hip. And she was talking Russian, and I picked up the word ruble, 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 and I realized she was asking for, for help. And I had been told not to do that because that, was, that, that encouraged them to do what they did. But uh, So I told her, I kept telling her no, and finally she left, and I got to thinking. I've got $9 worth of rubles in my pocket. When I get on that airplane, they won't be worth a thin dime. So I gathered my stuff, and I started looking for her, and I couldn't find her anywhere. Made two trips through the airport, and to this day, I'm sorry. Oh. I never found her, but I promised that I would try to do something for somebody else. Yeah. And that's, that's actually how this got started, and I coupled oh. that with the fact that there's so many of those elderly ladies on the streets in Moscow and and anywhere, it's just uh, they're there. They need help. And, yeah, and um, and I know it. I know it hurts that you can't help every one of them. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I I know that. Yeah, uh, the uh, you know we're James one twenty seven yes. talks about uh, uh, helping the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, and uh, that's that's what we try to do. Uh, that's uh, that's the vehicle we ride to get to Matthew twenty eight nineteen and twenty. Go teach, baptize, and yeah, teach. So yeah, and sometimes uh, before we can teach somebody the gospel and help them in that regard, of course we want to. But yes. sometimes you got to take care of some very basic, serious human needs. Yes, I understand that. Well, Dave, when that when every time that we have made it a point to concentrate on a person's physical need. If they're, you know, if they're in need, if you'll concentrate on that, they will eventually ask you, why are you doing this? Yeah. There's your door. And it happens time and time and time again. So um, when I, when I think of what, what we're talking about, about hope, we're talking about women and children who absolutely have none. I mean, they're at the bottom of your diagram in your book. And I've, I got a lot from that. Uh, you know, it, that, that whole diagram sits on hopeless. And as you begin to climb that, that diagram, then things begin to develop. And if you can contribute to that, then you're making a contribution to their well-being. And it gives them additional hope as they grow into what, what, they're, what they're trying to do and what you're wanting them to do and leading them to do. And, and I suspect at times um, – what you offer them for some folks is the first time perhaps uh, somebody has shown them some kindness and showed them there is a pathway that you can go on. And we're here to help you on that. There's some stories and I know you've, you've heard them as well. 
that just break your heart just to hear them told, not not to experience them. And I I've, I've been there, and I know what it is, what it is and what it does to them, and it's it breaks your heart. It does. Uh, these young girls have been abused and used, and by used, I mean any any possible way that they can be used, they are, and uh, and in many cases they become pregnant, they don't know what to do, where to go, they're on the street, and uh, all of a sudden somebody shows up and says, "Let me help you. I know a place where you can go." Yeah, and and as I understood uh, in conversations with you in the past, uh, the social structure within Russia uh, mm. did not have a wide of services like this. No, no, they uh, pretty much everybody was on their own. If you go back to the, the time that the, the communists were in charge, the, the men in the, in the society were told where to go, what to do, what to, how to work, where to live, what to wear. And then when that fell, they didn't have anything. They didn't know what to do. So they turned to uh, drink. And at that time, and, you know, when Larry and Kay and were there in the early 90s, you know, you, you could buy a bottle of vodka cheaper than you could buy a bottle of water. So mm. that's, that just made it readily available to them. And they drank themselves into, into trouble. Um, yeah. If it hadn't been for the women there, they would be in far greater trouble than they are today. Yeah. But the women will look out for their family if they are given the opportunity. Okay. So social assistance homes is what it is now, and you focus on providing um, physical care, uh, yes. educational services, and yes. other services for uh, widows and uh, women who are uh, in a distressed situation with children. Yes. Have I? Okay. So I understood that. Yes, and then you add uh, the second part of that is I call that the foster homes. You have the what we our terminology within our our sphere of communication is the social assistance homes are the known the ones that you just named. The part two to that is foster homes. Okay, and that is structured that way because there's a tax advantage uh, for the foster homes because there are children involved. If there was all one thing, then there would be a lot more taxes paid. Okay. 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 Mm -hmm. So we've separated that, but they all live in these apartments that we, we provide for them. Uh, this is, you know, what we're doing is a, I call it a means to an end, the end being um, talking to them about the Bible and uh, giving them an opportunity to learn what it takes to go to heaven. And that's, that's what that's my end objective okay well you obviously are providing hope and yes. uh, so some of <laughs> some of my listeners uh, they may be wondering well all right that's wonderful uh, i mean mm -hmm. you know praise god for that thank you dub for you and and the so many people that help out oh and, and by the way before i get to that yeah um, again in some of our discussions that we've had um some of the residents in these homes mm -hmm. turn around and help out. Oh, yes. And yes. That, uh, that, uh, one of the blessings we had was started, we started with uh, the widows, older women. And as the further we got into this, the, the more awareness we, aware we became of these 
women and their abilities to help these young women that don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Bible tells us, you know, the young ladies listen to the older ones. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, and it works. And so <laughs> when we have these girls come in and, and, and literally Dave, they just don't know what's going on. They, they've, uh, they're pregnant. They've got a child growing and, but they don't know what to do when the child is born. And now what do I do? It's just a, a day after day process of, I don't know, can you help me? So we'll yeah. put them in, a, in an apartment with uh, uh, one of these older ladies and they're just delighted. They love it. <laughs> I'm sure they do. And, so they and all do. of a sudden they, they become kind of a foster child with yes. that older uh, woman. And they, they have this sense of, of, uh, of hope, you know, they've, yeah. they've got it themselves yeah. and they're offering it and giving it to these younger girls. And, and uh, okay. And, and that's kind of where I wanted to go. Um, part of the way is mm -hmm. uh, somebody might say, well, okay, uh, that's wonderful. We love it. We see the benefit yeah. of it, but yeah. well, how do I help? What do I do? And it's not just a matter um, okay, thank you for writing a check, making a contribution to this work, mm -hmm. which is great. Uh, that's always yeah. a good part of it. Mm -hmm. But there's a relationship here to where I wanted to go with this uh, podcast. Our mm -hmm. uh, my, my tagline in the podcast is my desire to help people discover, sustain, uh, regain, and sustain hope. And over my research for when I was writing the book about hope and, and um, having discussions with people online just time and time again, I hear somebody say, what you need to do if your hope is challenged is to look outside of yourself. Oh, yeah. and, and so work such as this uh, social assistance homes is just an example of mm -hmm. the kinds of things that we can do. Now, they may not be able to be directly involved with mm -hmm. the, the Russian social assistance homes, mm -hmm. but they can find things. And in doing so, they'll find hope for themselves. Yes. We had a, <clears throat> one, one trip. I was there for three weeks, and uh, we always have a Bible study every Monday night and sometimes more often than that. And uh, early on in the trip, I challenged them. I said, you know, this is what we're trying to do is help people. Uh, you in particular, you being the, the residents that we had there. And I said, if, if you want to reach out or if you've got somebody that, that uh, you think could be benefited by some of the things that we do, take them a loaf of bread. And, you know, if, if you don't have the, the money for it, ask TK, our director. She'll, she'll buy a loaf of bread for you. You take it and give it to them. And if you keep doing that, then you will you will find a place in their their positive attitude. They won't be negative towards you. And uh, because they think you're taking care of them and you really are. And then again, I keep referring to your diagram in your book. Uh, uh, you know, once once they they see that there's a possibility for something else, that's that that's the motivation to keep trying. And as you get into that second phase and you're, you know, climbing that ladder, so to speak, uh, you want to keep going because you're, you're accomplishing things. And then in, in the final stage, you, it's the, it's the confidence that you have. And, 
our ladies and some of them that leave there have that confidence. They have been, they've been there. They've learned how to do things outside in the, in the job world. They have jobs to do. And uh, so they're, they're confidence. And I, I look at Paul, you know, and, in Second uh, Timothy chapter one, he said, "I know," and he was very confident. <laughs> His hope was was assured. Well, that's what First John, you know, John told us. I'm writing these things so you will know. Yes, and no doubt about it. Hey, yes. you, you've you've mentioned it twice, and thank you for a shout out about the book uh, Journey sure. to Hope. Well, it, it uh, helps. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the diagram you're talking about, I. I yep. As I studied and thought about it, and um, I, I developed this idea that uh, you go from hope sparked to hope sensed and then mm -hmm. to hope seen. So these yeah. ladies and the children will come to you, and sometimes mm -hmm. there's not a spark of hope there. Uh, there's just yeah. nothing there. And yet okay. you take them in, and you begin to nourish them and nurture them, mm -hmm. and and that spark of hope is there. and mm -hmm. and um, we're just drawn to a spark in a deep, dark room. And mm -hmm. I use the illustration of the deepest and darkest of night because that's mm -hmm. how you feel. You yes. just darkness is all around you, but off mm -hmm. in the horizon, you see that little spark of the sun coming up. That's right. And then I, I talk love... about as the sun continues to come up, hope sensed. Now, mm -hmm. some of the darkness begins to fade away and you see around you a little bit. Hey, this is working. I'm, 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 I'm moving in the direction I need to go, and you begin to grow, and 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 awareness and confidence begins to grow yes. until eventually, you see that you're on the right track. You see the resolution of the situation, and that's hope yes. seen, and that's like being in the full light of day. All the shadows are dispelled. Uh, confidence yes. has grown. You went from. Uh, no confidence to some confidence to full confidence. Yes. Uh, so that's the, that's the illustration you're talking about. And mm -hmm. um, it, uh, it applies to us in so many levels. I look at that same illustration and, and when God looked down on the earth and it was just black with sin and all the way over in the back, way back there was no <laughs> little bitty oh, yeah. light. <laughs> yeah. That one spark. <laughs> that one little, one little light. Yeah, but that's I think of that quite often. And, uh, I, I haven't mentioned the fact that that uh, several years ago we we developed a there was a need or a drive by started by their president Putin. He wanted to cut back and and uh, and stop as many abortions as, as they could, and uh, we developed a plan in car. And they took some posters and some uh, brochures to the hospital. There's three of them there, plus a clinic. And uh, one of our uh, one of our members on our staff, shall I say, is a doctor in one of the hospitals. And she was very instrumental in getting a positive result in all of those places. And they put up posters. And and uh, one of the nurse uh, doctors told her, said, you won't get them all, but you'll get some. Yeah. And uh, we have uh, managed to help five young ladies with their uh, to avoid the, the abortion idea. Oh, I love it because that's what you're yeah. doing. You're providing an alternative. Yes. To that hopeless situation. Right. Yes. Okay. And, and hopeless and not only from them, but for that 
that precious baby. Yeah, exactly. You're enabling life. Yes, exactly. Okay. And then let's see, there was a time, I think when, when I came to that first report, we had about 149 women and children that had passed through the homes. And today, I'll, when I come back to the report next time, uh, the number's up to 674. So oh, wow. We're, they've, uh, we've helped them all, and uh, all of them have, have at least studied the Bible once. So that was that's our yeah. one of our goals was to to teach them as best we could. Well, and and that's so critically important. Uh, we 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 discuss hope as being confident assurance, mm-hmm. and true and lasting hope is found yes. in our Lord Jesus Christ. Absolutely. He said, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me." And right. and so. That's what you're able to do. You're you're able to provide them hope in in a secular way of okay, mm-hmm. life is there for me, but then you begin to teach them as you can about our Savior, and and now they have eternal hope. It's that that spark you mentioned. It's uh, I've seen it several times. We especially when we were studying the Gospels with them and and uh, the Gospel account and. We went through Matthew, and and the next time I was there, we started uh, Luke and got to chapter 3, and somebody said, well, we've already studied this. <laughs> That's <laughs> when they listed all the names. And uh, so I, I thought then, I said, well, maybe they know enough about Jesus to move into the book of Acts. Okay. And Dave, you could see the light when it came on. Yeah. You know, that we'd, we'd talk to them about Jesus and then the book of Acts moves us to a different phase. And yep. then once you get through your Romans, then that's that's how you live a Christian life, and you, you study that the rest of your life. Oh, yeah, and that's what I tell people. Uh, you know, we, we study the Gospels to learn who Jesus is and what his teachings are, and yes. then uh, Acts teaches us how to become citizens of God's kingdom. Exactly. And then the rest of it, here's here's how you're going to live. That's right. This oh, is, yeah. You never, you never learn it all. Every time you look at something, it could be oh. a little bit different, a little bit more effective. But Brother, uh, I, I live every day uh, praising God for First John chapter 1. Yes. Uh, if we're walking in the light, yeah. he forgives us. I, I love that. Right. Um, I recently did with uh, Brent Misseldine an episode here on the podcast about First Peter chapter 3. I'm sorry, First Peter 1, 3 through 5, where he talks about an mm-hmm. unfading hope mm-hmm. uh, that cannot be defiled. And there's a phrase in there that said that God guards for us in heaven. God is caring for that. And we made the point that God's serving us. And, mm-hmm. well, we're off the subject. Huh? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I agree that, that uh, you know, what we're offering is hope. and and couple of ways hope that that i can survive this physically because of the help that i'm getting and then all all of a sudden they're introduced to a, a spiritual hope yeah and then those two just kind of lead them up that diagram i'm i'm using it again so it just kind of leaves up that little hillside till you get there you're probably um, selling a couple of books for me there brother well, thank good. you all right <laughs> well, the, the diagram is worth a book <laughs> oh, thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we all need to start it down there with someone who is hopeless and take them as far as we can go with them. 
Yeah. And it helps us see something visually that uh, it helps yes. our, it helps ourselves. Yes. Uh, we can analyze where we are, where we need to be right. and mm -hmm. ask ourselves, are we growing? Okay. Yes. Well, uh, th that's fine. And thank you for that. Um, yes. I, I said, I said to somebody, um, uh, today, I believe that I've probably given away more copies of the book than it sold, but, uh, so you're not going to get wealthy. <laughs> oh no, I'm not after getting wealthy with it. Uh, hey, I got to share with you though. Uh, I, okay. I mentioned it to Brent the other day. Um, I had one of our ladies at church call me up, uh, last mm. week and said, Hey, there's a deputy sheriff here in uh, the County next to ours who has just been diagnosed with leukemia. And mm. I want to get him a copy of your book. Um, where can I buy one? And I said, well, you can buy it on Amazon, but don't you dare. I will get you a copy of that for that yes. deputy sheriff. And, uh, yeah. I said, Oh, I, I really want to do that. So, okay, mm -hmm. uh, enough about the book. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Okay, I enjoyed it. Well, there was you mentioned. I don't know where you're going next, but I I, I remember a, a comment you made earlier about all of us know someone in need. Yeah, and that's where we and we can begin there. And I, when that I read that, I think you know, just put you a map on the wall and throw a dart at it. If it lands on some kind of land or continent, then there's somebody there that needs your help. It doesn't yeah. matter where it is. It could be yeah. next door or it could be in Timbuktu. Just, just, just go to work. And yeah. hopefully it's something that you want to do, love to do, and that makes it fun, not labor. Yeah. And, there, you know, God has given all of us some kind mm -hmm. of skill, a talent, yes. whatever you want to call it. Yep. And so that's, that's what I say. What, what can we do? I love the story. Well, the event. It's not, it wasn't a story. It was an event um, when God commissioned Moses. Yes. And, uh, you know, Moses offered excuses. No, I don't want to oh, go back yeah. to Egypt. I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't, can't do this yeah. or that. And then finally God said, what's in your hand? Yeah. <laughs> Moses looks down at that stick, that staff, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and God said you're going to be using that and he showed him yeah. how and that's uh, right that's what i, I mean, like to ask people what's in your hand yeah and when yeah. we do that again back to my point when we mm -hmm. do that uh, the depression the desperation the lack of hope that mm -hmm. we might be feeling begins mm -hmm. to go away yes and it's it's not a it's not a one day don't have it and the next day you have it it's a gradual process i describe it as a journey yes sir yes exactly yeah journey to grow and it's going to have ups and downs and but you keep you keep moving keep going yes. and yeah. and the more you try the better it gets um and, and that you know it doesn't take much to find somebody to to help that's right uh, just reach out and uh, uh, just just be there for them yes yeah. Sometimes that's all we need. You know, I love volunteering at our local cancer center because mm -hmm. um, it, it gives me a chance to help yeah. people. Um, yes, I've been through it. I know what you're feeling. And mm -hmm. here's what's going to happen. Here's you're going to feel, uh, you know, that sort of thing. But um, sometimes I walk away from the cancer center and I am emotionally spent. Yes. Uh, but more times than not, I, my life has been enriched. Uh, by helping out folks and, and watching them smile, um, mm -hmm. 
watching their hope grow. Uh, when we have a new patient, part of what I do as a volunteer is to help kind of get them settled in as they begin their treatment. And <clears throat> excuse me, I introduce myself to them. And I, I uh, if the nurse has not already told them I'm a former cancer survivor or mm -hmm. a former cancer patient, a cancer survivor, um, I'll tell them, uh, you know, who I am. And, and uh, but I always tell them my job is to make this the best day you've had. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I check on them. I take care of them. I, I advocate for them. And so, mm -hmm. again, it's it's about getting out of yourself and yeah. how can I turn this to help others? Mm -hmm. And I've heard you say before, the you know, the power of prayer and whatever the situation you find yourself, uh, God will will use you. And you, you tell him what's on your mind and your heart and uh, he'll take that and develop it with you. That uh, yeah. think of when. We're, we're located in five cities in, in uh, Western Russia now. And the last one was Moscow. And that one was really hard to get set up. I may be going too long. No, you're fine. The one in, the one in Moscow was yes, difficult. Was the, that was difficult, yes. And I had been there and, and, uh, on one trip to uh, talk to the men in the church there, and there was about 12 of them. And they... I could tell they they were just kind of mm, flipping about it. They they didn't understand how it was going to do. Didn't understand. So that's what I was there for to explain it to them. And as it turned out, uh, the guys that were with me when we left, I said, I don't think that's going to work. And but I kept praying. And you know, as, as usually we do, we the longer we go from that that thing the the less effective you, your prayers are and so one night just before i was about to go back over there uh i got a text or an email from one of the men in <clears throat> there in the church and he said would you come back and talk to us one more time so i said sure so i made arrangements to stay over in moscow and and i was at the hotel i said can you come to the hotel that would be the easiest thing I'll, I'll get us a place that we can meet and uh, he brought six people and they said we're ready to go and i thought you know i'd been praying all this time didn't know why didn't know how didn't know what and i walk in the room and there they are they're ready yep. <laughs> so he answers prayer <clears throat> and so that that was a that was a good good thing that we had and we we worked there now for about five years, and uh, you wouldn't believe the the different people we've met, the cultures that come that come our way, and conflicting cultures. I will add, uh, there's a definitely a hodgepodge of of cultures and people in that big city, and uh, there there some of them are very really, very hard to deal with. And okay. So you just try and you learn and you move on. Okay. Uh, but there's been some some Christians that have come out of that work. Uh, we're thankful. Well, and that's ultimately what we want to do. We want to steer people yes. toward our Lord. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, we make no that, apologies for that. That's who we are. Right. That's what but we that do. Was, that was a way to, to open up hope to a city that's got about 15 million people. So we're, yeah. uh, we, we can't get them all, but the last one was, was tickled. Okay. <laughs> well, let's just uh, – Let's just make the assumption okay. that 
somebody that's out there listening to this podcast wants to be a direct part of the social mm -hmm. assistance homes yes. so they can get a hold of you and yes. find out more detail about how to do it. So um, tell how somebody can get with you mm -hmm. to talk about this. Let me give you my email address. That would well, be the easiest thing. Okay. Oh, lowercase W-M-C-H-I-L-L, -L, the number three, at yahoo.com. Okay. What did you have in mind for the Well, I was wondering about um, – uh, through through the congregation there in the church, Tupelo. yes, yes, West yep. Main Church of Christ, West Main Church of Christ, uh huh, twenty four sixty two four six zero West Main Street, Tupelo Miss, uh huh, three eight eight zero one. Okay, and and I like to do that, and I'll put that uh, address in the in the uh, introduction to it, so folks, because um, yeah, certainly if folks want to be a direct part individually mm -hmm. or as a congregation or whatever, they certainly would um, right. would do well to do that. It is a direct opportunity mm -hmm. to help somebody. But again, I want to go back. Um, even if you're not able to be a direct part of this ministry, there are so many opportunities for you. Look around, find somebody, mm -hmm. find some work uh, yeah. opportunity to uh, to um, help someone out. And and when you help others grow in their hope, your hope grows too. It, it's That's just right. a wonderful thing. Getting outside yes. of ourselves. Exactly All right. right. Very good. Well, Doug, I, enjoy, I, I, I always enjoy visiting with you, my friend. Well, I, I, I feel likewise. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure, and I yep. look forward to seeing you soon. Usually it's March, uh, I mean, February, March, when I make my report yep. in uh, Prattville. Yeah. Larry well, and I come together yeah. usually. So we'll, We will be traveling the last part of February, but I'll, I'll get with our guy and find out. Yeah. When? Make, make sure he knows to send you an invite. Well, this would be a because, good time because yeah. I'm 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 wide open right now. So. All right. Well, let me tell you something. If you'll get here uh, kind of early in the day, uh -huh. uh, or earlier in the week, I should say, yeah. uh, I happen to know a barbecue place here in Prattville that um, <laughs> uh, you will almost have a religious experience when you eat there. <laughs> Listen to you. <laughs> How can I turn that down? <laughs> uh, the name of it is Fat Boys. Now, how can you go wrong with a restaurant called Fat Boys? <laughs> well, as long as you've got French fries, you'll make it. <laughs> well, Dub, thank you, my friend. Uh, thank I, you, Dave. I appreciate it, and, and uh, I continue to pray that God will continue to bless the work and really? uh, souls will be touched. Thank you very much. I appreciate you and, and uh, your program. and. Uh, all the people that have been listening, I, I pray that they'll have hope and, and exercise it and give it to somebody else. Yes. All right. Take care, brother. All right. Well, friends, thank you for joining me together as we journey to hope. I truly hope that we have encouraged you to discover, sustain, or regain hope through this effort. I invite you to contact me if you have any questions or comments or you wish to share with me something you've experienced in your journey to hope. My email is ourjourney2hope at gmail.com. That's our journey and the number two, hope at gmail.com. And please share this podcast with someone whose hope is being challenged. 
I look forward to sharing more with you soon. Again, I'm Dr. Dave Layton, and thank you for listening. And until our next episode, remember, we give all glory to God our Father.